Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. If we were to ask anyone what they believed were the most important things every marriage needs, we would most likely get answers like communication, healthy sex life, mutual respect, or financial stability. While all of these are good and true, what if we told you that we believe there are still deeper and more necessary things that every marriage needs to not just sustain, but to thrive? Things that go before sex, communication, and finances, and last far beyond attraction, age, and health. Building a Lasting Marriage is a very action-oriented title to today's episode. On purpose, it requires you to do the work, to put the time in, and intentional thought. So today we are not giving you the expected answers of money, sex, and communication, although they did come up because we all know those are top-tier important things in a marriage, no doubt. We do have a list of three things that you might not expect us to chat about, but as we go, we hope we have you shaking your head in agreement. Hey, we're Anna Jennifer Smith, your host of the Marriage After God podcast. And this week's episode is brought to you by our faithful patron team. These are men and women around the country who have been blessed by our free daily prayer emails and this podcast and have chosen to pay it forward. Here are a few shout outs to some listeners who have recently joined our patron team. Emily W., Lindsay N., and Angela P. We've been hosting this podcast since 2018, and we've been sending our daily prayer emails since 2015. Praise God that our listeners and subscribers grow every year, but naturally, so does the cost. So we decided to invite our listeners to partner with us to help uh, cover their expenses so that we can continue to provide these resources for free. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our daily prayer emails, please visit marriageaftergod.com forward slash patron. Also, if you haven't already, we'd like to invite you to get our free daily prayer email. All you have to do is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and sign up today. Welcome back to another episode of Marriage After God. We're happy to be here. Yeah, I hope everyone had an awesome 4th of July. We had a really fun. We had a rad barbecue. Barbecue, yeah. Which this barbecue has been coming for like the last eight years, seven years? Uh, nine. nine. We only missed one year, and I'm pretty Crazy. sure it was just last year the year when we were in the transition. Yeah. Didn't we not still do it? I don't think we did it. That was the, I think that was the only year we didn't do it. Anyways, it was top notch fun. It was. <laughs> let's just say there was a lot of water being splashed around. <laughs> it always it always turns a little bit chaotic, but it's it always somehow ends up fun. in the house. <laughs> That's anyways, your fault, I, Aaron. This year was my fault. Last taunted year with was, the hose. <laughs> being brought in but last time it was someone else's fault <laughs> <laughs> anyways uh we've just been having a great time a lot of firsts this uh last week or two um so on the 4th of july a friend invited me to run a 5k with her so oh, yeah. that was my that first was... time ever running like that and you did the whole thing we ran without whole stopping thing. i was yeah. very impressed with you it was awesome my legs are still and sore. you did it in good time you did it in 35 minutes Oh, really? I didn't yeah, which is like a, it's about a 10 minute pace. Nice. Per mile. She had to keep us on pace because there were times that I wanted to go faster, but then there were also times that I wanted to stop. <laughs> I could not figure yeah, out in that, my mind. How that was to do good it. though. You did an awesome. That was awesome. It was cool. And then another first was, uh, I set out this year to learn guitar so that one of the, for many reasons, but one of the reasons was, uh, we do home church and I thought, oh, when the person who usually is there, a friend of ours that does lead worship, Mm-hmm. If they can't do it for some reason, I wanted to be able to step up and help with that. And I, it was nerve wracking. It was so And you did it this last hard. night. Yeah. yeah. And, and you did awesome. And all the kids are like, mom, you, you did amazing. You're like the best. It was so fun. Um, but I was so nervous that the first song, song I started playing, um, it was 10,000 Reasons. And I knew, I started with that because I knew all the kids would jump in and it was so beautiful to hear their voices. But my hands started shaking from being so nervous, like the adrenaline, I guess. And so mm-hmm. I had to stop like halfway through the song. I didn't even want to finish, but you guys were so encouraging. 
And it was, it was amazing. And I hope you do it more. We'll see. (laughs) Well, um, and I also, I had a first, I went on a three day fishing trip with, uh, some friends from the church and it was amazing. I think we caught hundreds, hundreds of fish. And you took Elliot? And I took Elliot with me. Yeah. Little bonding trip for you. It was really fun. Yeah. We were on the boat just every day. We were floating in the water and fishing. You said it was like a dream trip. Like it really was a dream trip. Circumstances were perfect. Yes. It was Everything was perfect about it. It was a lot of fun. It's like the per I was thinking this is the it was the perfect kind of trip to get someone to like a like a child to fall in love with fishing. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not kidding, every single time Elliot cast the the lure in the water, it like a fish That's was cool. on it. Like immediately. That's he didn't have so to try cool. very hard at all. It just and none of us did. We just threw it in and like we were that's catching fish. That's not really fish. like realistic because everyone who's it's been fishing realistic. right now is going, no, that's not how it <laughs> it's works. It's not realistic at all, but that's so what I'm saying. What I remember about going fishing with my dad growing up hours is, of nothing. <laughs> yeah, we hiked in, we got on this boat, we sat on the water for hours and hours, and I don't think we ever caught a fish. That's but we that went is, fishing. <laughs> I know I've been fishing several times where I don't catch anything. It's funny. But this was, it was just so much fun and I would love to do it again. Actually, there was several large families there when we showed up. Yeah, we should do it And so I was like, all I was thinking, I was like, why isn't my whole family here? <laughs> we should uh, do We that. would need a lot more boats. Yeah. Because we would need like three boats just for our family. Really? Yeah, because you can only fit like three people, maybe four hmm. on a boat. Like comfortably three. He said one of your tour guides was really funny. Like he had a lot of jokes. <laughs> <laughs> he was really funny. <laughs> That's super cool. Well, we hope that you guys are taking advantage of warm weather and family time and just getting outside um, because tis the season. (laughs) And it's nice weather out. Yeah, it feels good. So um, why don't we get right into this topic? Cool. Let's do it. Okay. Um, We wanted to do this episode to talk about um, the most important things that a marriage needs to to be strong and thrive. It was funny when we came out with this topic, we were talking about it. And immediately, like we mentioned in the beginning, the intro to this is just those top tier things that people yeah, always go to. You need to be good communicators. Yeah. And sex and finances. And, and they're all true. It's so true. You need but all of those. I told Aaron, I was like, well, what if we take this topic uh, or this episode deeper. a little deeper and, and give them unexpected answers? So, But we did. We started thinking, we're like, okay, what are some things that are, are necessary? Mm-hmm. And all of these other things like um, uh, healthy sex life, finances, communication, um, just joy in your marriage, all the things that are necessary for mm-hmm. a strong marriage, they kind of stem from these, these three things. Yeah. Cause when up. we were talking about it, we're like, well, all the things that we chose play a role in how well those other parts of marriage thrive. Mm-hmm. So hopefully you guys get something out of today. We're excited yeah. to share with you. So if you don't know us yet, we tend to like to go more into the, like, what's the the deeper thing? What's the more spiritual thing? And so a lot of these things we're getting into, um, they come from a more spiritual faith-based mindset mm-hmm. of like, okay, we're believers. We love God and we're married. What are the, what are those things that we could be pinpointing? Be like, oh, there's, there's areas. Mm-hmm. Those are the pieces that we should be working on that will affect all those other areas. And here's the thing. Cause we, we titled it building a lasting marriage. Okay. You don't build it like on your wedding day. You don't build it in the first year. You continually build upon your marriage and that's a good reminder for all of us. Yeah. Let's just set that tone right here is just, we constantly need to be giving to our marriage and, um, just evaluating it. Like, are we doing the best we can to serve our marriage and to make yeah. it building a lasting marriage? Well, and then, I mean, any, any marriage is going to tell you this. It doesn't matter how long they've been married. Like you may have found success in a certain area of your marriage. Like, oh, we've gotten really good at communicating. Mm-hmm. But over the years, it's going to constantly be something that we have to revisit, mm-hmm. come back to. We go through seasons of, of stress or seasons of hardship or um, things that change. Or, yeah, new things come up. Or new things new come into the, yeah, into the picture. And we have to remember how to communicate all over again. Or we have to remember <laughs> how to work on our sex life all over again. Or we have to work on you know how we spend money or where money comes from. Mm-hmm. And that's a big one that changes often, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that it's work. It's like, um, cent- yeah, it's cent- centrifugal circles. They're like, they, you go around and you come back and you go around, but you're always moving. Hopefully we're moving forward together. Yeah. Together toward God. All right. So let's kick this off with number one. So the first one we, we tried talking about was like, you know, okay, what's like the most important. And if everything kind of started from this point, like a cornerstone. Yeah. It would, it would actually like, it would change the way we look at our marriages. Uh, This was a, this was actually a big piece of the marriage after God book was this Mm -hmm. idea of like, well, if we see our marriages 
from a different point of view, if we see it from this biblical perspective, this godly perspective, a more deeper perspective, it'll change everything. So the first one is acknowledge and accept that marriage is a covenant. Okay. Acknowledge and accept that marriage is a covenant. So if we um, define our marriage with different kinds of things, then we're going to base our marriage off of, off of what we define it after. So if we, if it's not a covenant, if it's just a, if it's just this, you know, simple contract or it's just a, it's just a relationship based on how I feel like I've, I've fallen in love. Like I love you. And then what happens when we no longer feel that way? Oh, then we must not, you know, stay married or, um, you make me happy. Well, what if I, what if there's a season that I'm no longer happy or you stop making me happy or those things are all subjective to that, those definitions of how we define our relationship. But if we define it with something deeper, more foundational, then when we come to those times where we're challenged in our emotions and our feelings, they, those won't dictate it. We'll mm-hmm. be dictated by something else. Yeah. And talking about like how you define marriage and you mentioned the contract and you know, that's just a, a document which we've, uh, you know, through tradition have accepted that. Yeah. Like, Oh, I have part this, I have this marriage married. certificate. Yeah, yeah. It's a wedding certificate. Um, but in fact, the Bible doesn't really mention like you have to do this, like, and yeah, right. The, it's well, mo- the, the more way ac- we do according marriage, to the state or yeah, the way we legally how we do it legally do it has been developed over, you know, our cultural, you know, see time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the way the Jews did it was different. There are contracts, there mm-hmm. are agreements, agreements that are Petrovals. involved. Yeah. Um, but even those weren't the things that defined what was marriage. Like what, what bound a man and woman together? Yeah. There's something deeper than that. Um, it's, it's why as believers we're so adamant about, um, what, you know, what we believe about marriage because it's so important and who it comes from. But as a covenant, it's something it, which is technically a contract, but it's, it's not a contract between me and my wife. That's, that's the thing is like, Oh, I don't have a contract with you. Like, Oh, I've, you know, we're, we're, it's a contract with me and you and God. So it's, it's a, like a contract between you and God about me. Like exactly. <laughs> you want to look at so it it's way. more than a piece of paper. It's not just we're married because the state says we are mm-hmm. or, or because we told the state we are. Um, so it's not just state acknowledgement. It's not just a piece of paper. It's something so much more. It's a promise before God. Yeah. It's a promise. And it, it's a covenant, not, not formed or based on who they are or who they will be. Right. Cause that's another thing like, well, I, no, you're not the, who I married. You're not mm-hmm. the same person. Of course you're not. Like, yeah, we're, always changing. we're always changing. Um, so again, if we define it off of these other things, then the marriages can be dissolved, you know, for whatever of those reasons change. But if it's based on something else, like a covenant, like a promise before God, mm-hmm. that God it says what God has brought together, let no man tear asunder or tear, or tear separate. apart or separate. So we recognize that there's something deeper than how I feel, how you look, how I look, how we, you know, what we do, how much money we have, if we're sick or healthy, mm-hmm. those things. It's why the, um, um, when we give our vows, uh, the standard vows talk about those mm-hmm. same things, sickness and health till death do us part. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a choice that we make to enter into that com- covenant. Yeah. It's a choice to, to be one until death do us part. And we, and that choice, that agreement before God in recognizing the authority of his word about a man and a wife coming together to be one flesh. Yeah. And so we're defining the marriage as not just like two people in a mutual agreement to remain together as long as we, you know, all of these things are copacetic. No, it's a, it's a commitment and a, and a, and a promise mm-hmm. before God that God then is now a part of. Which we met, we mentioned this in a um, more recent episode, but I'll just repeat it again. Um, in those verses talking about a one flesh, um, Genesis 2.24, Matthew 19.4-6, Ephesians 5.31, mm-hmm. and 1 Corinthians 6.16 all reference this the, one flesh. Yeah, the one flesh. So you, you in the marriage, when all these, these situations come up and we look back like, well, we have a covenant. This is not just uh, how I feel or how you feel or a piece of paper. Um, so there's some biblical um, ideas around marriage of what a biblical covenant 
marriage covenant is. Like if we were to, if we were to define what a covenant is. Yeah, what are the stipulations of this covenant before God? So one, the first one being exclusivity. Okay, so in this covenant, I'm promising before God and to you that I'm the, you're the only one for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go Forsaking find, all others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you. Both parties commit to being faithful to each other, forsaking all others. And this is often symbolized by the exchange of wedding rings. So like, hey, the wedding ring doesn't have a split in it. It's solid. It, it only goes around. It's and which So there's one. And so we, we give that. It's a physical reminder um, of our promise and commitment to each other. The other one is permanence. The marriage covenant is intended to be lifelong. And we need to remember that. We need to lock that in our minds. And, and um, you know, in the traditional wedding vows, the phrase till death do us part, which we've already mentioned, mm-hmm. reflects that commitment to a lifelong union. And I think oftentimes couples get tempted with that thought of, you know, escape or yeah, uh, this, this isn't working yep. or all of the, all of the different lies. ways, lies. Yeah. yeah. And so permanence. Uh, yeah. The next part of this, this biblical covenant in marriage is unity. In marriage, in a marriage covenant, two individuals come together f- again to form one flesh, as mentioned in Genesis two twenty four. And this union is not just physical, but it's also emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. Which so, I love that you list all of those. Yeah, because it is so much more than physical. Yeah, from what I've experienced, we're coming together to be a single thing. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The next one is love and respect. Um, each person in the marriage promises to love, honor, and respect the other. And uh, this is also reflected in the wedding vows. Usually you get yep. that commitment of of dedication and, and being determined to treat one another that way. And then when it comes to the actual marriage, like reminding yourself day in and day out, this is what I chose and I'm going to be this way because I love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The last one is um, mutual support, which is a, a huge thing because in marriage, uh, you don't have to do life alone and on your own. Mm-hmm. So you're promising in this covenant before God to support your spouse. Which is such a bonus and a benefit to having yeah. another person in your life that's looking out for you, that cares about your needs, your emotional needs, your physical needs, your mental state, everything. And to come alongside them and, and to see those needs and say, I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to, you know. Yeah. And in, in Malachi 2.14, God in his, in one of his many complaints before the people of Israel is that they, the leaders, the men were not being faithful to the wives of their youth, to their, to their wives. They were, uh, and he even says, he says, you're not being faithful to the wife, your wives by covenant. He's, he calls their marriages covenantal before him. And then he tells him, he's like, and you're, you're trying to come to me and tell me why you're not, I'm not accepting you, but you're not even being faithful to your own brides. Mm -hmm. And so, um, God sees our marriages way more important sometimes than we even see them. Um, I think having that covenant mindset helps us to remember that we're, we're in this together for something greater than ourselves and reminding ourselves that the one who made us, the one who created this covenant of marriage, the one who knows it and understands it and can help us navigate it all. Um, he's got the grand picture, you know, and if we can just open our eyes and accept it and acknowledge it, oh man, it really does change everything. Mm-hmm. It, it well, one of the things it does is it helps us fight against the lies that tempt us to want to run mm-hmm. or, or look s- elsewhere or serve ourselves. Yeah, because first. we yeah. naturally are very selfish mm-hmm. in marriage. It, when done right, when we're focused on God and walking in His Spirit, pulls that selfishness from us slowly over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, we always come back to like, mm-hmm. oh man, I'm I'm in an area where there's an area where I'm selfish. I need mm-hmm. to be. And then there's cool things up. that happen, like when there's sickness or health needs or uh, just that weight of responsibility within marriage, when you Mm -hmm. come up against hard circumstances to be reminded that you chose this and that you're capable of walking through it together and being there for one another. Um, Yeah. And that our promise before um, each other is before God Mm -hmm. and not based on our current circumstances. So Mm -hmm. again, using that idea of like, man, our marriage is a covenant it's a promise before God, not just to you, mm-hmm. um, which it, is really powerful. It should make us think twice about how we are behaving in marriage. Like, do we desire to please God within our covenant? Mm-hmm. Because we know it's from him. Which, like we were reading Malachi, uh, it would have pleased God mm-hmm. if if the men that claim to be his people 
were faithful to their wives. So if you could just sum up just this point number one of acknowledging the covenant, how does that help you? How does that help a marriage and a team thrive? Like what? what? Yeah, when we both have that foundational understanding of like this marriage is more than just a piece of paper. It's defined by this promise that we have before God. It's sacred. It's sacred. It's much, it's much grander than mm-hmm. just two people deciding to live together. Or it, try and love each other. Or trying to love each other. No, we, we yeah. have something bigger that we are built upon. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. All right. Well, moving on to number two is finding security and knowing the purpose of your marriage. You had already mentioned that mm-hmm. the first one was uh, a huge theme of our book in Marriage After God. I would say that this also was a really big idea that we discussed. Well, and this is actually the progression when you realize like, oh, our, our marriage is built on something deeper, something stronger, something more important. When you get past the part of serving yourself and you realize, oh, I'm here to serve them and serve God. Mm-hmm. And now I have this marriage, which is has the capacity to do so much in this world. Yep. How can we use it? Yeah. And it goes, it goes back to Ephesians 5.32. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. When Paul's giving his um, directions to the husbands and wives. He breaks it down based off of the church and Christ. And then he says, this is the mystery. It's referring to church and the Christ and Christ you uh, in your marriage. So whether or not there's this big thing you're going to do, your marriage itself is a ministry. It's a picture. It's a symbol that represents something grander, something in this world. Yeah, for sure. So when we understand that our marriages have, have a purpose and that God desires us to, that our marriages are used for his kingdom and for our good, we'll begin to experience marriage, our marriages much differently. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that there's a layer of accountability there because when you, every marriage encounters, you know, hardships or trials and things all that, things. All, all kinds of things that in your flesh make you kind of resist a little bit or, or fight or whatever. And I know for us, like relying on this truth that our marriage was meant for something more and has purpose kind of um, gets you out of that selfish place where you want to like self-preserve or, you know, just isolate or whatever the the temptation is there. But to know that we have to work through this because there's something greater that we must do. Mm -hmm. Um, It really helps me overcome those those moments and those times. So hopefully that's an encouragement to others. It, it is. And it's an encouragement to me. And so when we recognize that our marriage has a purpose and it's, it starts to affect all of the other areas of our life. Mm-hmm. So if we recognize like, man, our marriage has a purpose, it represents something bigger than us. Um, how we talk to each other, what we do with our time, how we invest, how we raise our children, how we re- choose to reconcile when we have fights and disagreements, how we forgive, mm-hmm. how we, you fill in the blank. Yeah. All of those things. When you said raise our children, I was just thinking it's so cool when you understand that you were made for purpose, but also that your marriage was made for purpose. And then you start walking in that and you naturally start sharing that message with your kids. And then yeah. the goal, like our kids are so little, but I hope that they understand and cling to this idea that they have purpose. And it's often my prayer at night with them. Today I was driving and all of us like, dad, I cannot wait to be a mommy. I'm going to be a good mommy. And I was like, all of you are going to be a good mom. She's like, whether I'm a mommy or a grandma, I don't really care. I just want to be, I'm like, well, you got to be a mommy first before you can be a grandma. I, I was like, but you will be a good mom. I think she's excited for that. Cause I always talk about how excited I am to be a grandma one day. I, I'm excited to be a grandpa one day. We're not too far yet. 10 years, maybe. No. That's, so, that's funny and weird. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So how did realizing this truth about a purpose affect our marriage? Well, I think we went from a place of being so focused, like hyper-focused on the issues in the beginning, um, especially because we dealt with a lot of intimacy. I'm not getting out of this, what you're not getting out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of broke down this image or ideal that we had of marriage. Like really, it it made it kind of suck to walk with you in like, this isn't working, Mm -hmm. you know? But the moment the Lord started... um, helping us and changing our hearts, I realized, oh, no matter what we go through, no matter how hard it is, there's purpose to this. And if we let him, he will use it for good, which he's done Mm -hmm. over and over again, which is amazing. Um, It changed my willingness to go to the hard places with you 
and to accept it and say, okay, well, this is what it is and let's keep pursuing what we can and, you know, encourage and like you said earlier, support one another. I think it is very, very similar for me was recognizing that, uh, my marriage wasn't just about, uh, what I get out of it, what you do for me, um, how happy you make me, but it was about my role as a husband, Mm -hmm. as a, as eventually a father, as a man who loves God and representing Christ to you, to my kids, and then through our marriage to others around us. Um, so yeah, seeing, seeing who I am to God and how he sees me and our marriage and And what he desires of you. Right. Yeah. It changed my, my perspective from all about me. It's all about him, mm-hmm. which then benefits us. Yeah, totally. So like the cup for the couples listening, how do they find and align with one another on a shared purpose in marriage? Like how do you get from a place of how we were, where it's like totally looking at ourselves or inward mm-hmm. and go to that place of, Oh, I see a bigger picture. Well, through the word of God, first and foremost, um, I, I do want to make a note there. There may be some couples who one spouse is not a believer, is not in the word, is not following God. But that doesn't mean that the the one spouse that is a believer who loves God cannot be doing these things, cannot mm-hmm. be walking in this way because they can still see their marriage with this higher purpose. They can still see their role in their marriage with this higher purpose, this biblical godly purpose, this purpose of they're there um, as a representative of Christ in their home. And if the one spouse is walking in righteousness and and in the word and fulfilling what God's purpose for them is, it will encourage and influence their Mm -hmm. spouse. Yeah. And, uh, the Bible talks about this, talks about the power that a wife could have over an unbelieving husband or the power a husband can have over an unbelieving wife. Yeah. So I believe no matter, um, where a couple is at, whether both are believers or one's a, one's a believer, one's not, um, they can be encouraged to, to see their marriage in the, in this perspective. So when you say be in the word together, is it like a certain section of the word that they're going to find, Oh, there's our purpose for marriage or just explain a little bit of what you mean when the, when you say be in the word, get in I the think word. Generally just having a, um, a propensity towards the word of God, mm-hmm. like being in the word. Because the, the closer you draw an intimacy with the Lord, he is actively working in you. Mm-hmm on character and your heart and your mind. And so as those things begin to be transformed, right. We affect our marriage. Yeah. Well, and there, and there are scriptures that they can go to that directly teach on how a husband or a wife should operate as in their roles. Yeah. Um, And they should go for those. But I, I'm just, I think in general, just having a love for the word of God and believing it and trusting it. We talk about belief often. And I think another thing about when you are searching for that purpose of marriage and to to really understand it and get on the same page and be aligned, it's believing that God has brought you both together to represent himself and his love for the church. And Mm -hmm. when we cling to that belief, it's like the other things don't matter as much because you're, you're holding on to this understanding that with him and together, you guys do have a purpose and you can fulfill it. Mm-hmm. And that that has a deeply profound effect on how you operate within marriage. I agree. <laughs> so we talked about covenant. We talked about understanding our purpose. The last one. Number three. Is having willing hearts. I think this one covers a lot. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to break it down for you. But uh, basically... We're talking about having a willing heart when it comes to conversation, mm. intimacy, sacrifice of your time, your energy, everything you got. And so I think this last one's really important. Yeah, because I think a lot of marriages begin to crumble when hearts have been closed. Or hardened. Or hardened, where willingness has gone out the window. There's the, the will to move forward, the, yeah. my Something's desire broken to. Something's broken it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, you know, the de- definition of willingness is the state or character of being willing, free choice or consent of the will, readiness, goodwill. So I am I here with readiness to move forward mm-hmm. or am I hard and moving away? Am I here with, 
out of my own free choice, I'm opening my heart. Mm -hmm. I'm opening my arms. I'm coming closer. I want to have that conversation. I desire to um, move forward with you, to have a a productive conversation about whatever it is that needs Mm -hmm. to happen. So that willingness plays a huge role in our ability to grow, to do anything. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm unwilling as we've seen with maybe some animals in our life or children, when they don't, when they're unwilling to go where you ask them to go or to move where you want them to move or to stop what you want them to stop doing, do they stop? Mm-mm. Of course not. Cause they're unwilling. Which causes frustration and those other negative emotions that it becomes this cycle of mm-hmm. the hardness in marriage. And if I, had, if I'm an, if I would admit it, the first two things that we've talked about, I think over the years I've gotten really good at understanding the conviction for me comes in with this because if I get offended, if I get hurt, if I get, um, upset, I start to feel that willingness in me shrink. (laughs) Well, not just in the, those emotional heightened moments also. Um, but for both of us, uh, there's these times of like, well, there's just ways of being that I'm unwilling to change. Yeah. Like behavior patterns. Yeah. Like uh, habits. No, I don't want to be, I don't want to change that. Mm. Or I will never do that thing Mm. for you. You should do that for me. Mm. Like this willingness or, or this unwillingness to, to budge on things that are, have been learned behaviors or learned ways of thinking or Or ways of identifying. Even when I think of extrovert and introvert, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm not going to do that because I'm an introvert, but that thing would really bless you because you're an extrovert. Am I unwilling because I'm, I'm, associating myself a certain way or, or understanding who I am and thinking I can't get outside of that box. Yeah. You know, I think a big part of marriage is complimenting one another and, and being willing in that way. Yeah. So, and, and I agree. So like for me, I think of, um, there's ways of being in me that we've talked about in the past ways I, I struggles I have with my communication. Right. So I could be unwilling and be like, no, that's just who I am. Get over it. Or I could be like, well, I see what you're saying. I don't know how to change that, but I recognize it and I want to change. Mm-hmm. I would love to be better at that. I don't know how to be. I could use your help. So the there's a difference between unwilling and yeah. and being like, no, deal with it. Or well, willing and be like, well, I don't know what that looks like, but yes. In that example you just gave, I think part of the willingness is saying, because you said, I don't know how to, is there has to be a willingness too to go back to God and say, God, there's these things I'm struggling with. Will you help me? you know, what does your word say about it? And, yeah. and being willing to also engage with the Lord, you know, or I think of some spouses, if the, you know, if the, let's say the wife wants to encourage her husband in, you know, spiritual leadership and wants to see him reading his Bible and, yeah. you know, encourages him to do so. But really it, it's a choice that he has to make to be willing to walk yeah. in that and vice versa, you know? Well, that, that's a good one because there's a lot of men that their wives would love, would love for them to lead spiritually. Mm. And there's many men who have no idea what that looks like because they don't have, they never had an example of it or they're fearful of it or don't want to. Like they're like, they think to themselves, I have too much on my plate. Why would I also need to do that? That should Mm. be your job. Um, so a willing husband would be like, I hear you. I I do want that. And I'm going to do something about it. Well, in the first place, a willing heart will go is to God. Like what Mm. you were just saying. Mm. Often I go to God. I'm like, I have no idea. Yeah. What, what she wants from me. <laughs> like when you, you come there and I'm like, I don't get it. I do want to change. So you help me. What mm-hmm. is it? What, what do I need to see that I'm not seeing? What do I need to hear that I'm not hearing? What do I, what part of me is holding me back? Mm-hmm. And I usually do start there because I, I have a hard time seeing the forest through the trees. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time seeing myself in a, in a true light. Yeah. I think when it comes to me, something I'm just, I'm, I've recognized it from like the beginning of our marriage, but it's something constantly that I have to um, kind of address in my own heart is that willingness when it comes to like intimacy, especially when in the beginning, because it was so hard for me um, and, and then there became uh, anxieties around it and fears and fears and, and frustration yeah. that I kept closing myself off. Like, nope, not going to do that. Not going to yeah. do that. And so Be- increasingly unwilling. Yeah. Where, I felt like over the years, I've really had to pay attention to my willingness to engage yeah. there and things get better when I'm do, when I do that with us. So, um, and, and, uh, psychologically, the more yeses we get or give, 
which is like this willingness, like, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Yes, I'll yeah. do that. The easier the yeses become. Totally. This is yeah. a, this is actually a psychological thing in cells. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get them to say yes to this little thing, mm-hmm. it'll be easier to get them to say yes to the next thing mm-hmm. that's a little bit bigger. Um, there's a, a section of scripture in the old Testament that I really love. I've brought this up in the past, probably earlier in our podcasting career, but, um, it's just, it's when God's command commanded Moses to build a tabernacle and gives him all of the instructions on what to do. One of the things he calls him to do is commands the people to tithe, to give gold and fabric and food and oils and all and spices and all sorts of things for the building of the, of the tabernacle, which was going to be where God was going to come and dwell with his people while they were in the wilderness. And so in Exodus 35, 21, there's this section that says this, and they came everyone, everyone whose hearts stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its services and for all and for the, um, and for the holy garments. So they came both men and women, all were, were who were of willing heart brought brooches and earrings and signet rings and armlets and all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And this was a theme all throughout the Old Testament of when he called the people to give for these sorts of things. It was a command to do it, but only if you were willing to do it. It wasn't a, you have to do it and I don't care if you're willing, you better do it. Mm -hmm. It was, I only want it if it's coming from a heart that's willing to give it. Mm which is really interesting that God would command it, but also command the willingness of it. There's another section of scripture that talks about generosity, mm-hmm. but only with a cheerful giver. Yeah. Right? God loves a cheerful. It's someone giver. who, who understands yeah. what's before them. And there's, you already shared the definition for, uh, you know, what it means to be willing, but I found another one from the Cambridge dictionary that says the quality of being happy to do something if it's, if it's needed. needed yeah. And I love that uh, they've added that. this layer yeah. of emotional connection to what we're talking about because you can do something out of will, right? Yeah. But are you happy to do it? Are you doing it motivated by this joy that yep. you get from knowing the the outcome, the, yeah. the effect? Well, going back to intimacy with you, sexual intimacy, um, or with each other, and in any marriage, the sp- spouse is always going to want the other spouse to want yeah. to do it, yeah. <laughs> to want yeah. to give that part of them. Not because they have to, not, not because to they're obligated, it. not because they're forced. Yeah. Like the best experiences we have are the ones where we both want to give yeah. to each other. And that's the same in, in this story. That's the same in every aspect of our lives. What I loved about this, by the way, I was just thinking about this that they were willing to part with all the other things that they deemed valuable mm-hmm. because of the thing that they deemed more valuable. So the building of the tabernacle, this place where God was about to come and be in the midst of they them. That was more important like, than the armlet. We want that. Yeah. And so they're like, yeah. Oh, here. You want my rings? You want my gold? You want my so scarves? You want my garments? You want all this stuff? Take it. Mm. And later on in that cha- in that section, God tell or that priest say, Hey, you have to tell the people to stop giving. We have too much stuff. <laughs> Imagine that in your marriage. So good. That the that like in the New Testament it says, outdo one another mm-hmm. in kindness. That you're so, both so willing and have such cheerful hearts to be willing in every situation in your marriage. Imagine what that would do for your marriage. So, uh, we, I mentioned in the beginning of this, um, that was so good, by the way, I love that perspective. That was so cool. Um, so when it comes to conversation or intimacy or sacrifice, we wanted to just break this down a little bit and see how, how being willing plays a role in Mm -hmm. these things. And so when it comes to conversation, are you being willing to listen? Are you willing to share your heart and your perspectives in a respectful way? Are you willing to share the knowledge you have and Mm -hmm. increase your spouse's learning abilities? Are you willing to not say something in a setting that would make your spouse uncomfortable? Are you willing to apologize? Are you willing to initiate conversation? Or is it just one-sided? Is it just the one person constantly doing it? Are you willing to find something you think your spouse would appreciate to talk about it? Yep. Um, Your willingness to communicate even when you're wrong. Like these are all really important aspects of what it means to be willing when you're sitting down with your spouse and talking with them. And I would add one piece to this. Are you willing to receive any of that Mm -hmm. from your spouse? Mm -hmm. 
that you want to come to chat with me about something yeah. that interests you, that yeah. you want to come to me and t- tell me about something mm-hmm. that's on your heart. Mm-hmm. Am I willing to hear it? Or encouragement yeah. or correction or any, yeah, anything. The that's next good. part is intimacy. Are you willing to pursue? Are you willing to embrace? Like, I, I want to be intimate with you. Are you willing to try new things, to, to experiment? Like we talked about this a few episodes ago about um, sex. Um, are you willing to speak up about what you like or don't like? Because these conversations can be very um, sensitive. Sensitive. Yeah. But being willing, willing to do it when you don't feel like it. Yeah. Um, but that that comes with that I was talking about before, um, not out of obligation, but actually like hey, I don't feel like it, but I want to do this because yeah. I know you need it. Yeah. I know. I know we, we need, need it. it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other part to this was sacrifice. So are you willing to surrender your time for their sake? Mm -hmm. Maybe they want to do something and it involves you needing to stay back with the kids or you giving your time in some way to make it happen. Are you willing to serve them? Are you willing to lay down your own desire to be in agreement with your spouse? Yeah. Are you willing to overlook an offense? Are you willing to pass on an opportunity to support your family? Are you willing to love? Love is an obvious one, but there's so much to it when you think about sacrifice. How are you loving them? Um, you, you said willing to pass an opportunity to support your family. Um, I, it sounds like you're saying pass on the opportunity to support, but you're saying pass on an opportunity for something else well, in I, order to support your family. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to clear that up, but that was really good. Yeah. Um, when... When you pursue me, I feel loved and cherished and wanted. When when you see me willingly want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. When you share um, just in the, the DIY projects at home and being with the kids, like, I feel supported. Mm-hmm. When you open up and you're honest, I feel like I can trust you. And I feel like we can really share what's on our hearts. And I love that. That's good. Um. Oh, and I also feel like when we're mm-hmm. operating in this way, there's so much more peace in our hearts and in Enjoy. our home <laughs> and in our home, yeah. like overall. Yeah. I just wanted to share that just effects of when you're walking these ways. So why don't we for a moment discuss the potential challenges in practicing willingness? Because there's a lot of fear that goes into this idea of being willing, because if, um, if I, open myself up that way. If I, if I allow certain things, then that's going to allow me to get hurt. It's going to allow me to get, there's, receive something I don't want. Yeah. I think there's also a layer to this that, um, that part, parts of our human nature yeah. that kind of trap us from being willing, like pride or selfishness or fairness, which yeah. I struggle with, uh, manipulation or control, none of which of these things are loving at all. Um, and it can be deceptive. It's yeah. not like we're sitting there trying to be stone cold or hard, but we are. Yeah. And we need to be able to recognize it. So I think first off, we should probably just be praying for eyes to see clearly. Yeah. Well, I th- the, the things I was thinking about is that the solution to those things is God's definition of love. Mm-hmm. You know, love is patient, love Mm -hmm. is kind. And walking in humility. And then, yeah, walking in humility, which means like I'm recognizing that we are, we need to be lower. Like, oh, I, I'm not walking right. Mm -hmm. I need to go back to what the definition of love is. And then also the walking in the spirit, what Mm -hmm. fruit comes out of walking in the spirit is like the opposite of everything you just said. And so when we're to have a willing heart, um, stems from going back to, understanding the definition of biblical definition of love yeah, and desiring to walk in God's spirit with your spouse. So good. Yeah. So that those are our, our three things, acknowledging that our marriages are a covenant, something deeper, something more than just a piece of paper. And finding security and knowing the purpose of your marriage. So yeah. having this big picture of like, this is what we're shooting for. This is what we're aiming for. And every it's marriage, bigger than ourselves. <laughs> every single marriage, every one of you listening, this is your marriage too. It's not just me and Jennifer here on the microphones, but it's your marriage mm-hmm. has a purpose. And it, on the base level, it's to be a representation, a symbol, a light of Christ and, and the church. Well, it's to your children, to your community, yep. to your church. To each other. <laughs> yeah. Constant um, reminders of the gospel. <laughs> and then the last one is willingness of heart. Mm-hmm. Like the new, te- the old Testament speaks of that God 
wanted the those whose hearts were willing. And so are we are we having willing hearts, willing in every aspect of our marriage for our spouse? So good. When we seek these things out, we will affect so many other areas of marriage, all other areas of marriage. And so that's why we wanted to bring this to you guys because building a lasting marriage is, it's important for every single one of us to be working on this. Um, So I put a little bit of notes at the very end of this before we get to the end end, just to point out that, have you ever wondered why the Bible doesn't speak on certain topics more specifically? Totally. The first thing that came to my mind is social media, but yes. Yeah. But like, (laughs) but even more like parenting. Like, why oh, isn't the, sure. like you open the Bible and like, okay, here's how to be a good dad. Yeah. Uh, right. There's a few things mm-hmm. that point out like things that we should be doing, but it is not extensive on like, like how to what be a happens good when the kids don't want to eat <laughs> yeah. the food you made uh, them. Or- it's also not extensive on how, what it looks like to have a biblical marriage. Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's not like an entire chapter on marriage. Yeah. There's a the lot of things you can p- piece together, but more so God intends that believers walk in God's truth as a whole. Knowing that that is what will impact yes. the marriage. That whether we're married or single, mm-hmm. whether we're slaves or free, whether I'm rich or poor, it doesn't matter where I'm at, what my circumstances are, what my situation is, what my status is, his word is what will define it all. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't need an entire chapter on how to be a good husband. Because as a husband, if I believe in Jesus, if I trust in God, if I'm in prayer, if I read his word, if I walk in his spirit, what kind of husband am I going to be? Mm. One who's patient and kind and long suffering and, 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 but also speaking truth and also wanting to lead and also wanting to be a man who desires to please God. Yeah. Same with you as a wife. Mm -hmm. So that we don't need an entire chapter in the Bible on how to have a good, lasting, long marriage. You're saying that there's enough there for the independent yes. person to learn from to walk it out. Right. Yeah. And it, and that's why we think like, instead of talking about how to be communi- good communicators, there's things that are more deeper, more important that affect mm-hmm. our communication. Because how many communicates can it, if I recognize that I'm with you yeah. until death, that's good. I should probably learn how to communicate a little bit better with you because mm-hmm. I'm, we're going to be with each other for a while. Yeah. Forever. <laughs> and so, so these, these deeper truths, God's truth, um, are, are so important to every aspect of our life, not just our marriage. So good. So what we're going to do is we're going to encourage you all to share this episode with a friend on social media. We don't do this very often, but <laughs> Um, we'd love for you to share this episode or another episode that you love and share it with a text message to someone, share it on social media, but let people know that you love this, uh, this podcast. If you do, of course. Um, and that would, we'd really greatly appreciate that. And also we want to remind you if you haven't already, if this is your first time listening, subscribe, subscribe to us wherever you're listening at. Um, most people listen on Apple iTunes, but you might be listening somewhere else. Hit that subscribe button and uh, follow our podcast. Okay, so at the end of every episode, we've been doing this thing called a growth spurt, and it's just an encouragement or challenge for you to do independently, but also alongside your spouse, um, and just see growth in you and in 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 your relationship with God. Uh, this month, we are focusing on growing by letting freedom ring <laughs> to pursue life, liberty, and happiness, uh, whatever that means to you uh, in your marriage or you know in your walks with God. We just wanted to encourage you guys and remind you guys that you do have freedom and true freedom, true freedom in Christ. I was actually just yeah. re- um, reflecting on it today while I was driving. I was like, God, you have set us free from the bonds of sin and death. You mm-hmm. and completely, it's not something that will be done. It is done now. And I just think that's incredible. So this could be as simple as acknowledging that freedom and having a conversation with your spouse about it and about your gratitude, or it could be, you know, taking up you know, some sort of cool date with yeah. your spouse that or invite all your it. friends over for an awesome barbecue and throw water balloons <laughs> at each other. Do Fourth of July all over again. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's so funny. Uh, so last month, real quick, last month was um, you know, put your hands to the plow and get in yep, the dirt and which plant. you did a lot of. I did a lot of and I 
put, we have deer that kind of wander around um, just in our neighborhood. And so I knew I had a plant in the backyard because Aaron put this fence up. And so I put delphiniums and roses and all these different And you, admit, you were flowers. waiting to do it because you wanted the fence up to keep the deer out. Yeah. So yeah. we did the fence first, then I planted and it was awesome and great. And I was keeping everything alive. And I was actually really excited because I knew we were having this barbecue. Yeah. It was like two, two days before. Two days before the barbecue, we had, we were moving some rocks around and we left to go get lunch and left the gates open. And I came back and they took advantage because Every all the rose flower. buds were gone. All the delphinium, beautiful purple and blues. Oh, gone. Everything. Yeah, you we we came back and you're like, "What is my plant? Where is all my? Le- what sh- happened? Yeah, who stripped this cherry blossom oh, tree branch thing? It was pretty sad. So, dear. so sometimes we do these growth spurts, and you know things don't always work out, and that's okay. But I'm gonna keep watering them. They'll and, grow back, right? Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> all right, why don't you pray for us, dear Lord? Thank you for the insight you give us into our marriage relationship. Thank you for continually reminding us and showing us how we can grow and mature in our relationship. We pray we would determine to contribute to building up our marriage. Make us stronger than we ever have been before. We pray we would not let pride or selfishness get in the way of loving each other deeply and connecting with one another on an incredible level. We pray for peace to be in our hearts and in our home. In Jesus' name, amen. to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today.